Hey, well, good morning, friends. If I haven't had the privilege of meeting you, my name is Cole, and I get to serve as one of the pastors and teachers here um, at Northstar. Uh, before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment um, and give honor where honor is due. Uh, as you know, man, this past year has been challenging. I'm so tired of hearing the word unprecedented. Um, for us personally, yes, um, but also for us corporately, um, as a church, as, as the body of Christ, uh, and, and as, throughout this entire pandemic, um, one of the constants um, has been our senior pastor, Mike Lynch. That he has continued to serve, he has continued to love, he has continued to care for us um, amidst all of this craziness. Uh, I like to get to the office pretty early in the mornings and I usually am here by 6.30 or 6.45. Um, and as I take that left off of Blue Springs Road, um, close to our parking lot, there's always one light on and there's always one truck in the parking lot and it's Mike's. Um, so wherever you're seated today, would you mind giving a round of applause of appreciation to our senior pastor? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So good. Hmm. Well, when I was six years old, I got to go on the trip of a lifetime. Uh, so my dad was working at the Capitol at the time, and so there was a few weekends out of the year that I would get to go stay at the Marriott Marquis. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Marquis, it's a four-star hotel uh, in downtown Atlanta, and it is magnificent, especially to a six-year-old. Uh, so the way that it always worked, dad would pick me up, and we would uh, head kind of underneath the hotel into the parking garage. Uh, and like most parking garages, it was kind of dark and dingy, maybe a little bit scary, um, and probably scary for a six-year-old Cole. Uh, and as we're pulling in, my dad tells me, now, Cole, in order for us to get inside of the Marquis, you're going to have to go to the special door. And of course, my curiosity is piqued. What do you mean special door? He says, now Cole, you need to run up in front of that door and scream, open sesame, and this door will magically slide open. Six-year-old Cole is jazzed. So of course, I hop out of the car, run, jump in front of the door, open sesame, and the door slides open. And on the other side of that door, friends, was the biggest, most luxurious, most expensive playground six-year-old Cole had ever seen. Inside the marquee, you can see the atrium there, glass elevators that you would ride up and you could just see below. Cole Ragsdale had never been inside of an indoor pool before. Room service, I even got to have ribs. I remember calling my uncle being like, I had room service ribs and they were incredible. I mean, this was life to the full for six-year-old Cole. Joy on steroids, pool, food, time with dad, jumping from bed to bed. Like, it was the stuff. And I loved every minute of it. And so if you were to ask six-year-old Cole, or if you were to ask 27-year-old Cole, how do you get inside the Marriott Marquis? You know what I'm gonna tell you? You gotta go to the special door, and you gotta say the password, open sesame. So why do I start there this morning? Why do I open up with that story? Because I think there is something inside each and every one of us that longs for that six-year-old experience when those doors open. Life to the full, life to the abundant, joy on steroids, where this is so much fun, I am loving my life, this is incredible. But I think that if we're honest with each other, that if we think about our life, or even as you sit in your seat right now, think about your last week. Would you describe it as abundant life? Would you describe it as life to the full? 
And I think if we're being really honest, I think we've tugged at a lot of doors that have opened to something that certainly wasn't abundant life when we thought it would be. And so this morning, friends, my goal is quite simple. I just wanna be a six-year-old boy who points you to the door, that wants to point you to the way, hey, this is the way to abundant life. This is what we can walk into. So we're gonna be in John chapter 10 this morning in verses seven through 10. And as we walk through this scripture together, um, I want us to see the three rooms that God's inviting us into. But I also want us to see the three dangers that are accompanied with those rooms. Three rooms, three dangers. If I was to title today's message, it would simply be the door. So uh, before we do that though, I want to pray um, and ask God to bless our time together. So would you bow with me? Father, thank you for every woman and every man within the sound of my voice. God, that you know their stories, you know their name this morning. And so would you, would you, in your own seat, would you pray and ask that God would speak to you directly this morning? And if you would, would you pray for me that I would be helpful to you? So Father, we love you. We pray this in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. So John chapter 10 is where we're gonna be camped out. So to be able to give us a little historical context. So um, chapter eight and chapter nine, um, Jesus is beginning to draw a crowd. And it's not a crowd that likes him very much. Um, um, he's beginning to make these statements. It's the whole point of the series that we're in, um, these I am statements. Um, it's a very specific Greek construction that he's using when he says I am, and it's really hacking the religious leaders off. And so it's the Greek construction, ego, a me. And it simply means I am. I mean, you can kind of hear it like, like ego, a me, me, uh, lego, my ego. You know, like this is mine. And, and what Jesus is saying when he says ego, a me, he's saying I am. This is an irrefutable, undeniable, unavoidable claim of deity. He's saying, oh, God, divinity, I am. Lego my ego, I am. Ego a me. And the religious leaders of the day, they find this to be, that he's either an absolute crazy person, this is heresy, or, and he's claiming to be God, that's blasphemy. I mean, C.S. Lewis said it best when he said that Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. There aren't really a ton of other options. He's either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's Lord. Because he can't just be a good teacher. Because think about it, like if Jesus was a good teacher, then why did they kill him? Like no one tried to put Mr. Rogers in, in, a, in an electric chair. Like Mr. Rogers was a great teacher, had great stories, did the whole thing, but no one tried to kill him. Jesus, on the other hand, comes in hot, I am. And so this story that we're about to read, these words are on the heels of Jesus healing a man born blind, his accuser standing in front of him, and Jesus says this. And friends, this is, these are the most important words that are gonna be uttered from my mouth today. Because North Star, this is God's word for you today. And in verse seven, it says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, ego a me hethura, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and might have it 
abundantly. See, now one thing I love about God's word is that it's for everyone. The Bible is for everyone. It's not just for pastors, it's not just for scholars, it's for everyone. And so just a quick little Bible tip for you that you can kind of pick up on that, um, and it's the way we'll walk through our text together, is you can always look for what is repeated and you can always follow the verbs. You can follow what's repeated and you can follow the verbs. So what does Jesus repeat here in these three verses? We see in verse seven, he tells us, I am the door. We see in verse nine, he says, I am the door. In verse eight, he introduces us to thieves and robbers. And then in verse 10, he refers again to the thief. So friends, let's find out about the door. Let's find out about the thieves. And let's have the verbs take us there. So Jesus, I am the door. What do you mean? I think that's kind of weird. Like, I am the door. Like, Jesus, tell us about your doorness. Like, like what do you mean door? So context in the day, um, there was always sheep and there were shepherds. They would keep them in a pen of protection and there was a door or a gate that would hinge open and close that would grant access to the pen. Um, I don't think many of you are shepherds, so I figured we'd go with the domestic door for the illustration. Is that cool? Um, just to make sure that would fit better. Um, so we've got our door, and Jesus is gonna tell us, like, what do you mean you're the door? Like, that doesn't help me at all. Like, I don't understand what you're talking about. Well, tell me about your doorness, Jesus. And in verse nine, he does it so well. So let's look at our first verb. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved. Jesus is the door and we shall be saved. And so that makes us ask the question, saved from what? That we are saved from something and we find it in verse eight and in verse nine, that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And a better translation of kill would be slaughter. That there is something that we need to be rescued out of because there isn't an actual thief. Like there's, it's that there is sin, death, and evil that God wants to rescue us out of. And Jesus is saying, I'm the door. I'm the way. I'm the way that you can be saved out of this. I mean, think about it this way. We are obsessed with physical safety as a culture. Not, not in a bad way. I mean, think about every single car commercial you've listened to in the past six months. It's all about the safety rating because we long to be secure. We long to be safe. But what about spiritually? What about emotionally? I mean, we're living in a time of an absolute, like an emotional pandemic in a sense. And where are we gonna find protection from that? Where are we gonna find rescue? Where are we gonna find restoration? Where are we gonna find redemption saved from something? It's through Jesus the door. This actually makes me think about um, probably one of the most influential books I read throughout my education growing up here in Cobb County. Um, it was The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. Um, if you're not familiar with Corey Ten Boom, she was a Dutch Christian living during the Nazi Germany regime. And, and she's famous for her and her family rescuing over 800 Jews from the persecution of the Nazis. And what would happen was that her house became a hiding place, that they would enter through the door and find rescue because there was a very real enemy that was seeking to steal, kill, and destroy them physically. And so what's the point? In the same way, friends, Jesus is our hiding place. Jesus is our security. Jesus is our safety. Point number one, through Jesus, the door, I enter eternal salvation. That he is the way that we make our way. This is John 14, 6, or yeah, 14, 6, that I am the way, truth, and life, that no one enters the Father except 
through me, that we are rescued, redeemed, saved, restored, saved from something. And it's through Jesus. But the text tells us, it's repeated, there is a thief, there is these robbers. So danger number one, there are lots of thieves in our day dressed like religion. There are thieves dressed like religion. You may say, Colt, Christianity is a religion. I'm tracking with what you're saying there, but really if you think about it, religion is about man making its way to God. Christianity is entirely God making its way to man. It is the fundamental difference between Christianity and every other religion on planet Earth. Or maybe think about it this way. You're drowning in a pool. You're drowning with the stresses of work, handling a pandemic, parenting, school, addiction, problems. You're drowning in this pool. Religion stands on the side of the pool and yells, swim harder, paddle your arms more, go this way, not that way, keep going, keep going harder. Christianity is Jesus diving in the pool and rescuing you and pulling you out. Is your faith based on he or based on me? Is it based on what he has done and accomplished or is it based on what you have done and accomplished? Is it, is, it, is it based off of what he has said and what he has done or is it based off of what you say and what you do? Christianity is fundamentally about us trusting in Christ. Through Jesus the door, I have eternal salvation. So moving on to our next verb, we see that he shall be saved and that he shall go in and out. Uh, this actually makes me think about uh, dating. I know that there's, um, Wave just did, has been doing a dating series and uh, it's kind of the whole dating, I don't know how long it's been since you've been in the dating world, but like it's kind of weird, kind of tough. Um, but it always makes me think about like, you know, you go to the front door, you know, before you knock on the door, you like make sure is my zipper up, like, you know, straighten things out, I'm gonna be okay, knock on the door and then you go on the date. And typically you're like trying to put on your best face, trying to make sure that like, that they're in. And so you kind of like go on this date, kind of walking, almost like looking over your shoulder, like, you think they're digging this? Or, or am I just digging this? Like, is this okay? We like this? And you're, and you're basically just putting your best foot forward, like wondering, questioning, is this it? We're evaluating. So um, my now fiance wrote me a note. Um, I got permission to share this. Uh, after we had been dating for about a year and um, Cole was in a really bad place. Uh, my dad had just died. I was in counseling for anxiety. Um, I just felt like I was losing in every arena of my life. And it was almost like, man, why would she stay? And uh, Jameson wrote me this. I am so excited to keep walking with you in this next season. I'm team Cole 100%, even when we're down by 70 and it's pouring rain. Jameson. I'm team Cole even if we're down by 70 and it's pouring rain. You see what Jameson did for me in that letter, she let me know that she was in. That I didn't have to look over my shoulder anymore and wonder, are we good, are we okay? It was like, hey, hey, win, lose, rain, shine, I'm here, I'm not a fair weather fan. And so friends, hear me on this. You can stop dating God, he's in. He married you when he died on the cross and rose again from the grave. You don't have to look over your shoulder because of your past mistakes, current mistakes, or future mistakes. You're in. And so this phrasing in here, this verb, he shall, be, he shall go in and shall go out, it carries the connotation of going home. It carries the connotation of being in the daily rhythms, the daily routines 
of a flock underneath the supervision of a shepherd. You know, I lived in the same house in Kennesaw for 24 years with my parents. I can count on one hand the number of times I went through the front door. You know what I'm saying? Like, like there's, a, there's a door that every, the family goes through. When it comes to God's house, you get to go through the family door. You don't need to ring the doorbell that doesn't work. So friends, point number two, through Jesus the door, I enter daily security. Through Jesus the door, I enter daily security that you don't have to look over your shoulder anymore. You get to use the family door and enter in security with him. But for every door, there's always a thief. And there's a thief that's dressed like approval. Man, I hate how much I struggle with this. There is a thief dressed like approval that we live in the like button generation that we say things, post things, act a certain way in order to gain approval from other people. And I'll just say this, preaching to myself today, if you live by approval, friends, you will die by approval. And really, you think about it, validation is for parking. It's not for your soul. It's not. So I would recommend not giving the keys to your happiness to someone else. You should probably give those keys to the one who made you, the one who loves you, the one who isn't gonna bail. There is no divorce clause in God's relationship with you. Enter through the door and experience daily security. Y'all wanna look at one more verb? And he shall find pasture. Now I'm not a sheep, so what's Jesus talking about here? A pasture? I love this. Jesus does not just save us from sin, from death, from hell, from the things that seek to destroy us. Jesus saves us for something. You were not just saved from something, you were saved for something that my soul longs for waters that will quench my dry soul. My heart aches to lay down in green's pastures and feel protected and feel safe. Does yours? After this year, do you, are you not tired of the chaos and the noise? And Jesus is saying, hey, you're not just going to be safe with me, you're going to thrive with me. You're not just gonna have protection, you're gonna find pasture. Man, there's something in us that longs for this. And Jesus is saying, I'm the door. Ego, me." This makes me think um, about adoption so grateful for our um, wonderful Christian sisters and brothers who have stepped up to the plate to um, adopt children that are in desperate need of homes and desperate need of families. Um, it makes me think about the stories that you hear of, of families that will travel to third world countries where there are just absolutely horrendous things happening to these little children and they will go to the place and they will save them from the pain that they were in. But you know what I never hear in that story? We made it to Hartsfield-Jackson Airport. We, we saved them from it, and then we left. No, they didn't just save them from something. They saved them for something. They're rescued out. They're brought home. They're fed well. They're loved. They're cared for. They're educated. They're a part of the family. 
And friends, it's the same thing with Jesus. He's not just saving you from your sin. He's saving you for righteousness. He's not just saving you from hell. He's saving you for heaven and relationship with him. He's not just saving you from sin and death. He's saving you for a life abundant. Point number three, through Jesus the door, I enter soul satisfaction that thing inside of your chest that you're longing to be made whole. It's through him. It's not through anyone else. And it's so interesting, Jesus shouts this to us. It's hard for us to see in the English, but in that clause there, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, um, in the original language, it's something called emphatic placing or proleptic placing, which essentially means that Jesus is putting at the very front of his sentence, like putting two exclamation points of like, I am the door through me. I am the door through me. And so he's making it crystal clear, friends. You want eternal salvation? It's through Jesus Christ. You want daily security? It's through Jesus Christ. You want soul satisfaction? It's through Jesus Christ which frees us up because that means it's not through North Star Church, it's not through Cole Ragsdale, it's not through Mike Lynch, it's not through Billy Graham, it's not through you fill in your pastor, holy, unholy, you were saved by grace through faith in Christ. And life abundant, the life you long for, the life that is joy on steroids, full of life, is with Jesus. So one last thief is lots of times abundance is a thief dressed up like stuff. Do you know that according to the LA Times, the average American household has 300,000 items in it? I mean, think about it. The amount of storage units that just surround this church alone. We've got stuff. That's why Marie Kondo absolutely popped off during the pandemic. We have so much stuff and we think it's gonna fill the hole in our hearts. And so friends, here's why I'm passionate about this message. Here's the reason why I'm teaching it today. Is that day that my dad drove me under the parking lot of the marquee, there were many doors in that parking garage. But there was only one right door. And what is scary is that when it comes to our life and our existence, there are many different doors that we can choose to walk through. And sadly, they're not locked. They're open. But on the other side, we don't find abundant life. On the other side, we find death. We find pain, we find suffering. And so today, my plea for us as a church is that we would choose the good door, that we would walk through it. And here's the fun thing. You don't even need a password. You don't need to say open sesame. You just have to have faith. And so this week, can I challenge you? When you go home, try it for one week and you walk beneath the threshold of your door. Would you say to Jesus, you are the door to abundant life. You are the door to abundant life. And as you say that simple prayer and you set your attention on him, I think you're gonna to begin to experience the life 
that you were made for. So just in a moment of quiet reflection, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for a little privacy? Amen, just spend a little bit of time. I don't have anything else to say. Spend a little time and hear from the Lord, from what you heard from the scriptures today. What's God want you to grab hold of this morning? What part of that was for you? Jesus, you are the door to abundant life. We pray this in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, amen.